Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to eight, and 26-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The 4-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, An Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. It's a devotional written specifically for homeschool moms. You can find those on my website, DorendaWilson.com. You can find them also on Amazon, and you can find The 4-Hour School Day at any of your favorite booksellers. Today is New Year's Eve, 2021. And as we're looking into the next year. Um, I don't know about you, but I find myself uh, going into it with a little fear and trepidation. (laughs) Let's be honest, right? Um, Our hope was we could kick 2020 to the curb and 2021 would be very different. And uh, it was different, all right, in a lot of ways and not so different in other ways. And so we find ourselves here at the end of 2021 pondering the new year. And, you know, I, I feel like a lot of times there's this expectation that we need to come up with New Year's resolutions. We have to, um, you know, make new plans for the new year, have a new mindset. And, uh, you know, that's all very good. Those can be very, very good things. Those can be tools that God uses in our lives to bring change. You know, a lot of times when there's a defining moment, um, it is a good time to make necessary changes. But as I was thinking about the last 54 years, I guess this would be 55 because my birthday's in November. So um, I've, I've seen f- 55 new years. <laughs> That's hard to believe. But anyway, having been around for probably a little longer than you have, I began to sort of ponder, you know, Lord, what are some things that an older mom would want to share with a younger mom? Specifically, what is on my heart that I would want you to know as we go into this new year. And uh, there's so many things that I could talk about, but I feel like the most important thing that I can remind you of as we go into this new year, not knowing what the new year is going to hold, if we've learned nothing in the last couple of years, we have learned that change is inevitable and change happens quickly. And so that can make it, um, that can make our hearts feel anxious and fearful. I know I have been there countless times. So uh, being older doesn't necessarily make you immune to that. Um, It certainly is bringing me to my knees. That is for sure. And it is reminding me of what I've had to go back to over and over and over again through the years when I've hit different times in my life where tragedy has struck or we've been going through a crisis, um, there's something that I always, always, always go back to because I believe that the Lord leads me back to it as just the very foundation of our faith. And that is to remember as we go into this new year, not knowing what the future is going to hold, remember that God is is sovereign. Now, I say that a lot, and I know I've mentioned this before uh, several times, because it's, like I said, it's something that I go back to over and over and over again. God is sovereign, and He is good. These are the things that anchor me as a believer and have anchored me over the years through many different trials. And so I think it's wise to bring that back into focus as we go into the new year. But when we talk about 
uh, God being sovereign. What do we really mean by that? Well, the Bible has something to say about God being sovereign. And actually, it, it's sort of like a message that permeates the whole of Scripture. And that overarching message is that God is the ruler with absolute power. Think about that. There are so many people wanting to exert their power and to try to um, make us feel powerless, right? And really what ends up happening is sometimes in our fear and our anxiety, our view of God can shrink. God can become small in the midst of that. But we need to remember that he truly is sovereign. No matter what anybody says, no matter how we feel, God is the ruler with absolute power. He made all things. He is not the work of man's hands, nor a God of man's imaginations. Um, There's a verse that says, the sovereign Lord who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Throughout the scriptures, that is reinforced over and over again. God is sovereign over all things, not just some things, not just a few things. He is sovereign over all things. He has the authority, the right, the power, and the wisdom to do all that he pleases. Every part of God's creation, all places, objects, creatures, people, even Satan, they're all under God's sovereign will and rule. Every event and situation is under God's sovereign rule. Now that can be a lot to wrap your head around because we know there are a lot of bad things that happen in this world, but we have to understand that Everything is on a leash. And at a, po- at a certain point, we have to just trust in God's sovereignty over it, that he is weaving everything together for our good and for his glory. It's important to remember that even though the future is uncertain and unknown to us because we are just finite human beings, I'm telling you, Over the last couple of years, I have realized that more than ever. But even though the future is uncertain and unknown to us, God is already there. God is already at those places where we are going to find ourselves in the coming year. Nothing happens to us that doesn't pass through his loving hands first. I think one thing we need to remember, moms, is that as believers, we are set apart from the world. It is so easy to see ourselves because we're in the world, to see ourselves as of it. But the the Bible says that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. So to understand that God's favor is upon us as believers, his protection, his blessings. If you read all through the Old Testament, what you see there are the blessings that God poured out upon his people. And those blessings are our blessings because we, although we're not Israelites, because of the new covenant, we have been grafted in and we are his people. So those covenant promises that he made, he made them to us as well. Um, So understanding that nothing happens to us that doesn't pass through his loving hands first, there is a protection over us that the world doesn't have. 
There is an intentionality over our lives that, that the world doesn't have. God, we are in God's favor because of the blood of Jesus, because we belong to him. Our sins are forgiven. We stand righteous before him. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. He is our father and we are his children and he loves us as a perfect father loves his children. So understand wherever we go in the coming year, God is already there and he's waiting for us. God is not only fulfilling a grand plan throughout history and throughout the times that we are living in right now and the future. He also, at the same time, holds us in the palm of his hand. I want to remind you what uh, Paul had to say about this in Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Okay, I'm going to stop there for just a minute. There is so much condemnation flying around in the world. If you don't do this, you don't do this, or you're not this, or you don't think this, then you are nothing. You are condemned. There is no hope for you, okay? That is the opposite of the hope of the gospel. That is the opposite of the hope that Jesus gives us, that God gave us in his son. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Moms, it is God who is the judge. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God and who indeed is interceding for us. We are not under condemnation. Jesus is interceding for us. This is, this is beautiful. I love this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. He goes on to say, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Moms, nothing can separate us from his love. And in terms of tomorrow, what about tomorrow? Well, here's what Jesus had to say. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, and yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. 
If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, because of all these things, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Moms, the work that God is doing in our lives is a work that only he can do. The work that he is doing in our husband and our children is a work that only he can do. It's his work. He is going to be faithful to complete it because he does all things well. And as we seek first his kingdom, as we're praying and we're seeking him, do you not think that he is going not going to give you wisdom and clarity of heart and mind? If there is something to prepare for, I believe he will lay it on your heart. And if he doesn't rest in him, Understand, I love what this says here um, in verse uh, 26. It's not 26. Um, Let me look here. Give me just a sec. Here it is. Verse 32, for the pagans run after all these things. So these are the things that unbelievers are focused on. We've got to take care of ourselves. There has to be, there's self-sufficiency. We have to do everything. We have to know everything. And we have to acquire everything for ourselves because no one's going to watch out for us. That's a worldly mindset. But here it goes on to say, the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Your needs are known to him. Bring your heart to him. Bring your needs to him. Bring your concerns to him and watch him meet your needs. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's not a sep- that's not a separate thing from our material things and the daily needs that we have. It's all intertwined. His kingdom and his righteousness are all intertwined with the provision for um, our food, where we're going to live, the jobs we're going to have, um, the energy we're going to have to care for our children, to provide for them emotionally, physically, mentally. God knows that we need these things. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, one foot in front of the other, one day at a time. So my challenge to you is to make your walk with God a priority. Find your hope in his unchanging word and in his unchanging character. Plant your feet on the firm foundation that he is sovereign and he is good. Be in his word as regularly as possible because moms, we cannot be a godly wife or a godly mom if we're not a godly woman. Okay, several years ago, I shared, uh, I wrote a, a short devotional called Why I Gave Up on Devotions because I know how challenging devotions can be with a family of 10, eight kids, and especially when they were all little. Oh my goodness. 
super big challenge. But I want you to listen in to a little bit of my story and to the encouragement that I have for you today when it comes to spending time with the Lord. Here's what I said in the blog post. I love being a wife. I love being a mom. But it's had a serious effect on devotion time. I had always had devotions all through my teen years and early 20s, faithfully. Then something changed, drastically. I think it might have been between baby number two and three. I'm not sure. It's all a blur. Regular time alone in the mornings with God became, seemed to become a thing of the past. Only I didn't know it. I still kept trying. I only realized it after I had been feeling like a failure over and over and over again. I just knew I was one unspiritual mom when I couldn't pull it off. I was under a lot of condemnation. So if you're listening to this and you're there right now, I want you to listen to the rest of the story. Fast forward to the years when I had eight children. The youngest was about three or four. And finally breathing again. Don't get me wrong. I was still busy. But finding that I could carve out a a little more time on a more regular basis to crack open my Bible and pray. There were a lot of years in between. What did I do? How did my spiritual life survive? I can tell you that the biggest reason was grace. That's right, Mom. God has grace for us beyond measure. He knows this motherhood thing is not for the faint-hearted. He knows we need grace and strength for the journey. And he is faithful. He sees your heart, Mom. And I really don't think that being one more thing to check off on your to-do list is where he wants to be. He wants to walk with you through the mountains of laundry, the depths of the kitchen sink full of dishes, the poopy diapers, the smashed Cheerios, the kids struggling with schoolwork, the dusty flat screen, filthy windows, and all that can make life so overwhelming. So, if sitting in my chair praying quietly alone for long periods of time each morning constitutes devotions, then yes, I've given up on them. But if it means that I have conversations with him and praise him along the way throughout the day while kids are hanging on my legs and the dog pees on the carpet and somehow in the middle of all that, I invite him into the messiness, then no, I'm not giving up. And if giving up on devotions means that I do in-depth Bible study with cross-referencing, then yes, I've given up. But if it means I sit on the couch with my little ones around me and read a few verses, lay my head back, close my eyes, and meditate on them while my three-year-old pats my face and my baby nurses, then no, I'm not giving up. Or if I can only manage to read a few verses at night before bed because I can't keep my eyes from closing and I fall asleep with those sweet words of life floating through my head, then no, I'm not giving up. Yes, His Word is important, and it is our guide through all of life. And yes, we need to commune with Him. But oh, He is so creative in helping us find an approach that doesn't have to look a certain way. Breathe, sweet mom. Relax and bask in his grace and all that he has for you. He loves you in this season of life. Isaiah 40 verse 11 says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead 
the mother sheep with their young. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this coming year. Thank you that although we have no idea what the year will bring, we're thankful that you are the one who brings the year, that you were already all the places that we're going to be in 2022. Lord, thank you that you cover us, that you hide us, that you set us up on a, a, a high rock above all of our enemies, that you protect us, Lord, that you are our rock and our fortress, Lord. Our circumstances do not need to be perfect. They can be far less than perfect, and we can still have peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I pray that as we go into this new year, that our trust in you would deepen. That our knowledge of who you are would broaden. Lord, that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are our God and we are your people. Thank you for your love and for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.